Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hello and welcome to Indie Cider episode number 42 for Star Wars Day, May 4th, 2016. My name is Ken Gagne, your host, and this week I'm playing Epistory, Typing Chronicles, developed by Fishing Cactus and co-published by Fishing Cactus and Plugin Digital. This game is available on Steam and the Mac App Store and Humble Bundle for Mac, Windows, and Linux. It is a combination of, now get this, Bastion, Zelda, and Typing of the Dead, as told through Origami. Got that? Okay, good. Don't got that? Then let me explain. In Epistory, you play as a little girl riding a three-tailed fox from a top-down, three-quarters perspective, so sort of an angle. The main directions that your character moves, for example, are to the upper left, upper right, lower left, and lower right. The game is not played with a controller. You use the keyboard entirely. You can use EFJI, which I found a little awkward, WASD, W-A-S-D, if you're into that kind of thing, or simply the arrow keys. As you explore the world, you encounter various obstacles and enemies. Obstacles can be simply the case of thorns or briars or tree trunks, and enemies can, of course, be slugs, spiders, and any number of other vile creatures. Every time you encounter one, you push spacebar, and your movement stops, and any obstacle or enemy that is on the screen has a word appear above it. You attack or destroy that thing by typing that word. It can be a short word, it can be a long word. As soon as you complete the word, your fox throws a fireball at the enemy and it takes damage. If it is a strong enemy, another word will appear above it. If you can type all those words before the enemy reaches you, you win. Otherwise, it reaches you and attacks you and you die. And you get sent back a little ways and then you just start up again. If you are good at typing those words, the game will give you harder words. If you're not, it'll give you easier words. And the more words you type in a row, the higher your combo and the more points you'll get until you eventually acquire skill points that you can allocate to make your fox more powerful, such as being able to poison enemies or being able to run faster. All different elements that slightly tweak the gameplay. Sometimes you encounter an obstacle and the words and letters appear as runes and glyphs that you cannot read. That means that you have not yet acquired the ability to read those words, and you have to find a dungeon and explore it and clear out the enemy nests in order to acquire the power-up necessary to clear those obstacles. Also, as you explore the overworld, you'll encounter points where if you have developed a high enough score, the world will literally unfold before you. Where previously there was just vast, endless ocean, paper will unfold and develop into trees, mountains, rivers, and oceans before your very eyes. It's a beautiful mechanic. And then as you explore those new worlds, narration will occur. Voice-over narration in the style of Bastion or Transistor. And everything that the narrator says will also be literally written into the landscape. Words will appear beneath your very feet. So that if you want, you can play the game with no narration, and you'll still be able to understand the story. It may sound like just typing words won't be very fun, and will in fact come across more as edutainment. But this is not a typing tutor. It is not trying to teach you how to type. It's not trying to teach you bad habits either, but it is not an educational game. That is simply the mechanic by which you interact with the world. And if you think about it, it's really elegant how all these mechanics integrate. The origami and the paper and the narration, those are all elements of story. And the story appears literally in the world with words that appear on the landscape 
and you type words to interact with the world. It's all very story-oriented. Epistory is certainly one of the most unusual games I've ever played, and if you want to see it to get a better sense for how all these elements work together, go to IndieCider.net where you can find a video of me playing the game combined with the interview you're about to hear with one of the game designers and one of the programmers from Fishing Cactus located in Belgium. In either case, though, the interview you're about to hear was recorded in a rather echoey chamber, so there is some reverberation. I did my best to clean it up, but my apologies if you have any trouble understanding what is being said. As always, you're welcome to follow me on Twitter at GameBits, or to leave a review in iTunes where your words and reviews and encouragement will help other people to find this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Today on IndieCider, episode number 42, where I'm reviewing Epistory, Typing Chronicles, I'm speaking with Mr. David Bailey, game designer at Fishing Cactus. Hello, David. Hello. And Mr. Thibaut Hansen, programmer at Fishing Cactus. Hello. Hello. How are you both doing today? Good. Very good. Excellent. So Epistory is an absolutely gorgeous title. It really engaged me just from the get-go, before I even typed in my first word, just from the aesthetic, the design sense. There are a lot of things going on here. It's a typing game. There is a very definite mythology being developed as the player goes on. The art style and how it plays off the ancient art of origami. Can either of you tell me a little bit about what was it that inspired such an unusual combination that works so well together? Uh, I think it all comes down to, uh, to the fact that we wanted to create a typing game. So being uh, it's a typing game, we wanted to uh, have the player type words that would have uh, meaning in the story and in the, the environment. So we came with, up with the idea of being in the mind of a writer in need of inspiration. So because, you know, um, writing is like putting words on paper and creating an imaginary world just from, from the world you're using. So we like that feeling of typing words and creating the world. So in Epistory, just, uh, we use uh, what we call inspiration points to unlock new zones and new areas. Uh, that's also the reason why it's uh, origami uh, art direction, because it's, uh, everything is made of paper, like a book is made of, of paper. I see. So it all ties into the sort of a, a literary origin of telling the story both through typing it and through literally unfolding it like the pages of a novel. Yep, exactly. We like that uh, little catchphrase, uh, unfold the story. And were there other games like this that inspired you? I mean, I, I see a lot of different discrete elements here. For example, typing of the dead in the gameplay mechanic, Bastion in the voiceover narration, Zelda in the exploration. What sort of games did you play or were you inspired by? Well, you, you, <clears throat> you already told them, told the, the, all the games. So yeah, it was mainly Zelda for the, the overworld and the, the puzzle elements, the exploration of the dungeons. Typing of the Dead, of course, for the mechanics, and a little bit of Bastion for the, the reveal of the world. Yeah. yeah, some of those games are very action-oriented, uh, Bastion and Typing of the Dead. And looking at Epistory's portfolio, I see a lot of action-oriented games, very fast-paced games. And there certainly is that element in Epistory when I am in one of the enemy nests and they're all swarming at me from different angles. But as the story unfolds, there's a lot of thoughtfulness there. Uh, this seems almost a more, in that sense, thoughtful game than some of your other titles. Can you tell me about what other games you've worked on at Epistory 
that really prepared you for this one? Well, actually, um, we didn't have really a, a lot of experience with uh, that kind of game, and uh, it's uh, our first 100% owned uh, IP, so we were free creatively to do what, whatever we, want, we wanted. So it was like the occasion for us to really change what we were doing and make something really different, more uh, ethereal uh, environment and uh, story, not story driven, but something really different from what we were used to do, uh, mobile games and stuff. So we, we had that opportunity because it was uh, entirely uh, self-funded. I didn't realize it was your first original IP. That must have been, in a way, very challenging because you're accustomed to being given some foundation to work off. On this one, you had to create the entire world from scratch. Yes, because we, we like that uh, kind of freedom. I think when you have those constraints for, um, from an editor or a client, it's, always, it's not often a good, uh, good thing because they don't really know uh, what they really want or what it will uh, do in the game. They're not game designers, so I think we have everything to, to gain from doing this entirely ourselves, being more independent. So yes, it was a challenge, but a good one. Did you have a narrative designer on team to help flesh out this world and write the script? At first, no, because it, it, was, a, it was supposed to be more of an arcade game, and we realized that it was perfect for, for a story, so we pulled in a, a writer from London, who wrote the, the story based on what we had already, but he did uh, like 99% of the, the story. Yeah, he did a really great job. His name is Joseph G. Clark. Uh, that person certainly did a fantastic job. I, I love the way the story develops, not only with the spoken narration, the voiceovers, but also the way the story is literally written into the world as you explore it. And one of the benefits to providing the story in both media, written and visual, in my opinion, is accessibility. You know, I can play this game with the voiceover completely turned off and still get the story. And that's very useful for people who might not be able to hear the story. Was there any consideration given to accessibility when choosing that approach, or is it just sort of a, a happy side effect? Uh, honestly, it's just a happy side effect. Actually, we started with the world right on in the environment, and only after that we added the voiceover because it was an additional cost, so we didn't know at first if we wanted uh, to, to do the voiceover for that. So at first there was only the text in the environment, just because it was cool and helped the immersion and the idea that uh, you are in the writer mind, the imagination, where the story is unfolding. So, yeah, happy side effect. Well, that, that's one of the great things about good design is that when done well, it accommodates a lot of different audiences and it doesn't detract from the main course, the main dish. It benefits everybody. And that seems to be what happened with Epistory is that accessibility was just baked in, in a way. Yep. We've talked a bit about the narrative. I want to ask you about the mechanics, the typing for specifically, is that typing games, at least in my background, when I'm playing... Mavis Beacon or Reader Rabbit or whatever, typing games are often used as a form of edutainment. But this is not really a, a typing tutor game. You know, for example, it's very apparent right from the beginning when my fingers are placed on the EFJI keys that that's not the home key or the home row that's often used to teach typing. Is, is it accurate to say Epistory is not a typing tutor? That's just simply the interface? Uh, yeah, totally. It's, it's uh, only the interface. We realized later that. Uh, in most other countries, the, 
the taping game is used as a tool. We never uh, did that in our schools. So uh, we realized that at that moment that uh, edutainment had a very bad name around it. And um, we really don't, don't really like that uh, people compare it to edutainment. But if uh, some people learn from it, that's, that's all good. But it was not the, the first goal, of course. Yeah. Once again, it's a happy side effect. So you don't mind if people are using this in the classroom or if it's perceived as edutainment as long as they play it? Or do you, are, do, are you really more insistent that you say, no, this is not edutainment, I don't want to be categorized that way? No, it's 100% made to be a fun game. But uh, along the design process, we never put things in the game that would uh, learn you bad things, bad typing habits. So you will uh, be a, a better player by playing Epistory just because while playing a game, you become better at it. But it's not made to be an entertainment, but of course, we designed it to not give you bad typing habits. <laughs> that would be a bad game if it taught you bad habits. And do I understand correctly that Epistory has sort of a naturally evolving difficulty that it can perceive how well you're typing and throw challenges at you accordingly? Uh, yes, yeah, there is. So actually, a lot of uh, parameters in the game are dependent of uh, different values that are that changes depending on how well you're playing the game. So uh, gameplay aspects of if you win or lose combats or puzzles, and the typing aspects in which we are tracking the world per minute value of the players to adapt the difficulty while they play, so that everyone can enjoy the game even if you're typing really fast. And in addition to the difficulty, the game also evolves through the variety of upgrades that the character has available to them. Can you tell us a little bit about that mechanic and how that's used to keep the game interesting? Yeah, so we have uh, several uh, skills in the game. So in the later stages, you, you will have to switch from one magic to the other to overcome more challenging combats. And uh, we also have uh, several vari uh, variations on the on typing style, on typing, typing element, I would say. Uh, for example, you, you would have to type a full row of the keyboard to unlock the door. That sort of breaks the, the monotony of typing all the time the same way. Were there any upgrades that you considered implementing that would have resulted in an imbalanced game and you had to remove it because it just wasn't working? Not really. Actually, uh, everything we had in mind, well, of course, a lot of things you are killed in the early stages of development, but we didn't uh, remove something at the very end of the development, so there is no, uh, just, there won't be a director cut a version of the game with uh, missing features. And about how long does it take to play the full story? Uh, it's around uh, eight hours, so you can rush it, and not uh, explore everything and finish it a bit faster, but if you want to explore everything, uh, buy all the upgrades, and if you want to play the arena mode, which is an infinite mode with always uh, any coming at you, you can play it for, for more than 10 or 12 hours. Wow, that's a really good value, actually. I didn't realize it was that long. For some reason, I thought it was going to be shorter. How, how many dungeons are there in the game? There are eight of them. Okay, so about an hour 
total to patrol each area and discover the dungeons and explore them. Excellent. Going back on the topic of of accessibility a little bit. So this game is very literary. It's uh, very narrative. And it is available in, if I understand the Steam listing correctly, seven languages. What sort of unique challenges did it bring to make sure that that story works for such a diverse audience? There are several challenges. At first, we didn't know how to, uh, to speak, so didn't know how to write with languages. So we first had to uh, learn and work very closely with our translators to know what, what was the keyboard layout for each language. As uh, special characters that were used, for example, we have Russian, so Russian has a Cyrillic alphabet, so it's completely different. We finally installed some rules, like uh, we can only use uh, letters or special characters that can be right with only one keystroke on the keyboard. So, for example, in French, you have some weird characters, you have to first type uh, one keystroke to unlock the accent, and then type the letter to have the accentuated letter. So that we forbid that in the game, so every, every character means always one keystroke. That way there is no uh, gap of difficulty between the different languages. And then every, every word in every dictionary is uh, defined by its length. So we ask that to the translators to find words related to something within uh, an average length. That way we have not a direct translation, but we have an equivalent word with the same difficulty to be typed. So you worked with an outside translation or localization team as opposed to sitting down with seven different keyboards and figuring out what works with each? Exactly. And the voiceover, is that in English only? Yes. Is that something you're looking to add to future versions of Epistory, additional voiceovers in different languages? Uh, no, it is not planned. But additional languages without the voiceover will be possible as we are currently integrating a beta version of uh, modding via the Steam Workshop. So everyone can try and translate the game to add uh, fan, fan-based translation. Ah, great. Excellent. One last question. When I go to the Fishing Cactus website, I'm immediately presented with sort of two different branches or divisions, the fun games and the serious games. How did that philosophy of having a foot in these two different camps influence Epistory? Because it seems like this is almost straddling those two, where the the narrative and the mythology of this game is so beautiful that it it can't be mistaken for just a casual game you play on your phone for a few minutes. And yet it is still very fun and very engaging. So it almost seems like a a fun, serious game in a way. How does Fishing Cactus existing in these two worlds influence Epistory, if at all? So first of all, there is no uh, there is a split between the game game aspect and the serious game aspect in the website. But within the studio, there is no uh, two separate teams. We all work in both kinds of projects. Uh, but Epistory is 100% a game, so we didn't make that as a merging of both, both sides. But it's true that uh, we, can, we can show that to our serious game clients to prove them that it's possible to make a real game that learns some things to players. Yeah, excellent. I, yeah, I can definitely see how this would appeal to a, a lot of different audiences because there's a lot of things going on in this game that are very, very engaging and interesting. What would you say is the greatest challenge you encountered in creating Epistory? Like, what was the part that you really had to work on to get just right? I, I would personally say the typing. 
because it has to be uh, juicy, reactive, it has to be uh, easy to read. We spent uh, weeks uh, choosing a font, choosing both fonts for the typing text and the read, read the reading text. So I would say that, yeah, the typing. We had a lot of challenges, so I can pick up another one because I, I was thinking about the control to move the character because we had a, at some point we take like uh, we took like two weeks to try a lot of different uh, control scheme because we were not happy with the you know now it's uh, EFGI so we tried a lot on lot lots of different time, kind of control to find the one that should uh, as well. And I like that you provided multiple different control schemes. I can use EFJI, I can use ASDW, I can use the arrow keys. Uh, it's very accommodating whether people want to adjust to use Epistories input or they just want to use something else that they're used to. I appreciate that you provided that option. Exactly. From our user feedbacks, we notice that uh, about half of the players like to, uh, to use the EFGI because once you get used to it, it's better to change a uh, to into control and typing because you don't have to move your hands on the keyboard and the other half of the player doesn't want to learn new scheme control which we understand so we put a WISD too. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of great reasons to use each one and it's great again that you uh, are supporting players preferences. Well, thank you so much for giving me this wonderful overview of Epistory and its uh, its background, its inspiration, its design, its voiceovers. It's a really interesting game, as I hope I've uh, stated multiple times in this episode. Can you remind our listeners where to find Epistory and Fishing Cactus? So, currently, it's uh, mostly on uh, Steam, but we also um, uh, we are also on the Mac App Store yeah. and uh, several other. Um, uh, I think we are on uh, Humble, Winman Gaming, all the classic resellers, and uh, it's available for Mac, Linux, and PC, and uh, it's for uh, it's fifteen dollars. Excellent, and links to all those will be found in the show notes, as well as I believe the website's URL is epistorygame.com. Yep. Very good, uh, David and Tivo. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net.